hit y'all. I hit y'all niggas with the text that uh says Showtime twelve thirty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting Hollywood, getting Hollywood on you, nigga. I mean, you've been Hollywood. Do you see your haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Lakers, man. Shout out to the Lakers. Man. Shout out to the Lakers, man. Shout out to. The Lakers. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I deserve that. <laughs> but we, we just gonna go ahead and start it off. Got a nice little combo too. Nice little combo for you. Got a little G. Whoa. Hey, I've been, been rocking hey. this shit all week, yo. Yeah. All week, yo. I'm making a change today. The liquor been taking the pain away. I heard you was giving your chain away. It's kind of like giving your fame away. What's wrong with you? I sit in a box with that owners do. A boss is a road that I've grown into. I love you to death, but I told you the truth. I can't just be with you. Respectfully, you killed Word. me. I mean, I can't lie. That's hard to tell. It is. That's super hard. It is. It I is. can't. I can't. I can't play it just one time. I gotta play it more than once every time I listen to it. Yeah, bro, it's only two minutes long. That's why. Yeah, yeah it's a short. It's a short ass song. Man. Nice short song. Straight to the point. Okay. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's about to happen next? Okay. okay. Yeah, so the, thing is, the thing is that you know, Aubrey knew what he was doing when he made it short. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He was doing. But, um, all right, so, um, respect the podcast. Oh, what you, what you say? So, what's that 4K he got going on over there? Oh, yeah, <laughs> my man, hey. my man. My man, the, the the camera looking looking crispy, the the jewelry looking oh, icy. You feel me? He took it back to the '90s day, to the '90s with the gold. You feel me? Yeah, yo, yo, ain't nothing wrong with that, baby. And he got and he got, the, and he got and he got the yellow kufi to match. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, you know? details is everything, baby. Details. Right. I'm not details. mad, bro. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mad, bro. Yeah, I mean, but, um, all right. So, so first, um, I think we should talk about, and we'll we'll go in some sort of order. Um, but I'm looking at talking about the BLM situation first, and then after that, we can talk about. All right. So uh, we're gonna start off. And, uh, you know, because this is Women's History Month, we want to celebrate Black women, celebrate Black queens, uh, you know, women that we 
um, admire, women that are, you know, about about the business of, you know, taking us forward in the right direction, right? Um, and that speak with power and uh, just strong black women. So I present Sister Soldier. Recession and inner city urban chaos, Democratic presidential contender Bill Clinton has chosen to attack not the issues, but a young African woman who is very well educated, alcohol-free, drug-free, a successful self-employed businesswoman, and a community servant. Considerable time has been spent debating whether America should take seriously the words of a rap artist or so-called entertainers. Let me clarify for the press now who I am. I am Sister Soldier, Sony epic rapper, activist, organizer, and lecturer. I was born in the Bronx in New York City, spent the earlier part of my life there, was raised by my mother with four children, was on and off the welfare system for approximately 15 years, lived in government subsidized housing called the project, and was classified by sociologists as being in the underclass, meaning living below the poverty line in a vicious cycle of poverty that America says cannot be broken. I supplemented my own education in the white American school system by reading African history, which was intentionally left out of the curriculum of American students. By doing so, I was able to become the well-balanced, reassured, and confident woman that I am today. I was a legislative intern at the age of 16 in the United States House of Representatives for the Republican Party, and the recipient of the American Legion's Award for Constitutional Oratory and Extemporaneous Discourse. I attended Cornell University Advanced Placement Summer Session. I entered Rutgers University majoring in African Studies and History. While at Rutgers University, I attended the University of Salamanca, studying abroad in Salamanca, Spain. I worked at a medical center in Zimbabwe. I have visited Mozambican refugee camps, traveled throughout the Southern African region. I have also visited and lectured in the former Soviet Union, England, France, Portugal, Finland, Holland. Moreover, at Rutgers University, I was a well-known prolific writer and political commentator in the university newspaper. I attended church in the Bronx in New York City where my great-grandmother was the pastor who recently died this year at the age of 92. While finishing up at Rutgers University, I was offered a job by Reverend Dr. Ben Chavis at the United Church of Christ Commission for Racial Justice, which is a civil rights firm sponsored by the church. I developed, organized, and financed through hip-hop music, a sleepaway summer camp called the African Youth Survival Camp for children of homeless families, and ran it successfully for three years. I left Rutgers University one semester prior to my graduation. I have spoken on the same platform with Jesse Jackson, Minister Louis Farrakhan, Reverend Ben Chavis, Reverend Dr. Calvin Butt, and Nelson Mandela. As you can see, I am no newcomer to the world of politics and movement. All right. So, yeah, I just wanted to play that clip, man. That's a nice little intro. And, you know, she pretty much gave her own self the best intro that I, I could ever hear someone receive. <laughs> um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I had another clip I wanted to play, but you know, I, 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 I think that was that pretty much that will suffice. 
But yeah, yeah, so celebrate black women, Sister Soldier. The reason why I wanted to celebrate her, I mean, uh, one, she was the first person, first woman that came to mind when I was like, man, who would I want to celebrate first? And it was, you know, Sister Soldier came up. I hit uh, my cousin up. I hit Teresa up, and she, that was the first person she sent me. And I was, coldest winner ever. What'd you say? Midnight. Yeah, I read those the book. Are, yeah, I read those, baby. Yo, I've never read any of her books, so I'm I'm gonna uh, grab some of her books. You mean to tell me you never wrote read Coldest Winter ever? Nah, never read it. Never read it. It's yeah, a long read, it. but it's it's. I mean, it's a it's an urban it's novel. Though, it's, so. Is it a novel? Okay, gotcha. So yeah, it's, it's an urban novel. Gotcha. And Midnight, I read that was like a kid. Yeah, I read that when I was a kid, and like Midnight was like the first urban novel I ever read. Like for real, nice. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's like, and, she, and, and, and just to, just to oh, it's 400 pages? It's like 600 pages, bro. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's, she, a, it's she, a movie, she like it's, She's a writing phenom, bro. It's a good read, though. <laughs> like, like it's, yeah. it's interesting from beginning to end. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like a, like Gary said, it's an urban novel. So it's like a story. You feel me? So it's like, you're going to want to hear the next chapter. Like, if you, like, like how you binge watch TV. Right. Yeah. It's kind of that good, to be honest. Yeah, so I um, you know, and you know, she she actually just to plug her her uh as an author, she she has a new book out now that she's been kind of doing the rounds for and doing press for. So uh I'm I'm gonna because I have an audible account and any every month I don't purchase a book, I accumulate like a, a free credit. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab a couple of her joints on Audible. Okay. I got that Audible joint. Yeah, I got. I need to get um, I need I'm to listening get to uh, Frederick Douglass now. Okay. I actually got a couple of James Baldwin joints on there. Um, you know, James Baldwin's my favorite author, so I like. I got a couple of joints from him on there. Audible is actually cool, man. I, at first, I thought like, uh, it, it's it's different from. It's not like reading a book, so it might be whack. But it's cool, bro. You know, you just sit back and especially if it's something that you're interested in, it's 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 dope. Uh, but anyway, all right. So moving on, first topic is uh coming to America. I'll let you all lead out on that and then I'll just follow up. So whoever wants to go first, I know uh I think yeah, Gary, you had some uh some feelings yeah. on that. Yeah, um yeah. I'm gonna just start off by, you know, I just want to start off like this. It's beautiful to see all the black excellence. Right, lead with love. Right, to see all the all, the all the current characters come back into it. Facts. It's beautiful to see how black really doesn't crack. You know what I mean? Big facts. Big facts. You know what I mean? John Amos, he's like in his seventies, eighties, or whatever. Right. Case. The man looked like he's forty-five. Facts. You know. So yep. like, shouts to all that. Shouts to seeing all these great black actors in this movie. Shout to Tiana. A special special shout out to Tiana Taylor. Oh yeah, yeah she's super man. super scrumptious out this jump. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, but time. I want to end it with this. Hated it. It was <laughs> not. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was basura, bro. I didn't like anything of it. <laughs> basura. Yeah, only thing I liked about it Gar was seeing look, people like, like in Italian. Way. You can in Italian they call it garbino. <laughs> you did. Like, like it was all like it was all trash to me. I, I couldn't get with it. I didn't like the story and I didn't like what it represented. 
I didn't like a lot of the the the, the emasculation of the of a of a of an African prince going on. Right. I didn't like any yeah. of that. Like, cause that's bad imagery. You know what I'm saying? If you're right. trying to push the narrative of black excellence, push the narrative of having strong black men involved in that black excellence as well. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's deeper than just having a bunch of people claiming that they're kings with gold necklaces and crowns and shit. That's right. cool too, but the imagery of having somebody just not being a man is another thing. And that shit yeah. kind of drove me up a wall and I couldn't yeah. get with it. But yeah. outside yeah. of that- Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Murphy was big simp energy, bro. What? Big Super simp energy. shit, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know he, what I mean? He need to, he need to, uh, I need to send that nigga some Larry June. <laughs> uh, what, else, what else did I send him? Hey, yo, like, oh. you supposed to be the king of Zamunda. Right. You feel me? The king, you supposed to have cut whiskers off of a lion. Right. And, and, and your wife is over here, like, literally just castrating you right in front of your right. subjects, bro. In front of I'm all the subjects. Cool. I'm not cool with yeah. that. I'm not yeah. cool with that. So, it wasn't, it I wasn't mean, I understand, you know, you got to show a line of like, you know, you know, like love and respect to your wife. And that's no disrespect to her. Right. But at the end of the day, bro, like that emasculation shit just sit just totally hit different for me. Yeah. And that was my perspective. That's how I seen it. I was like, oh, hell no. Hell yeah. no. If I had a son, he wouldn't be watching this one. Not sir. No sir. <laughs> on, on, top, on top of the fact, like side note, on top of the fact that the shit just wasn't funny. So. Oh my God. That's, that's the other side of it. I laughed three times. I counted. <laughs> I literally counted. I was like, oh, that was funny as hell. That's one. You did? Like, <laughs> Can't get can with I, it. Can I, can I get another one? Going once? Going twice? No? Nope. Okay. All right. All right. Like, well, ain't that's you it. Eddie Murphy? Like, come on. Yeah. It's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I just kind of looked at it like, man, listen, I've seen, a, I've seen a few of Eddie's recent, you know, projects. And I mean, look, man, this is what I don't like about a lot of times black culture, because we got a tendency to just cook niggas, man. So like, anytime you do something that's whack, we're going to call you out. But I mean, some of the legends and the goats, man, it's like, look, they already gave us everything that they could give us. And they and it was it was like, we will never forget it. Right. So it's like, that's why it's, like, it's kind of better as a black legend to just die early. Because if you Damn. if you don't, if you stick around for too long, nigga, then eventually you're going to do something whack. And we're not going to be on some like, Oh, well, you know, we appreciate everything you did, man. We're just paying homage, bro. Here your flowers now. We're going to be like, the fuck was that? Nigga, you need to go I back mean, to the I watching that motherfucker, though. Like, I actually sat there and watched the entire joint to the credits. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, I actually fell asleep on that joint. You see what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you. if it was a DVD, it would have been like, yo, I wonder how the streets feel about this. You feel me? Yeah, like, yeah. this shit would have went right out the car window. But yeah, it's not. Yeah, you know, yeah. Luckily, it's a stream video. You did. It would have been, been a frisbee. <laughs> you did. Yeah, I mean, um, but but yeah. it is what it is. Marvin, yeah. what you thinking, bro? Uh, so I guess I'm going to be the odd man out, man. I, I thought, if, I thought for, for what it was, it was all right. Like, it was the simple storyline, uh, you know, how did a nigga uh, just come from Africa or Zumanda, whatever the fuck is that, and just find his child on the corner in New York City? You know, yeah. I mean, they, they could have at least developed that part a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo just said, yo, you got a son off a of sketch. Like, yo, the sketch is my son. Like, that would never work. You know what I'm saying? Plus, that wasn't New York. 
Like, right. that, that really yeah. just was not yeah, I mean, real. The, the, the storyline itself and the premise was just so unrealistic, but you know, it is what it is. Niggas ain't looking for a whole lot of like well thought out, you know, storylines and in depth. You know, it's just like, all right, well, the nigga went to New York and somehow found a something to sketch. I mean, whatever. You know, <laughs> just like we so, ain't really expected that much. I mean, I thought it was good for what it was, right? Like, I wasn't looking for a to knock it out of the park. I mean, personally, was was the part one really that good? I mean, or did okay, or was okay, it was me, it just a cut file? Okay, 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 okay. okay. Let's, uh, sir, let's, let's pump. Let's pump. Let's that pump the brakes. I, I might need to censor you, bro. I don't know if you want this on recording. Um, can this? I explain? Uh, uh, if there's a way that you can explain. Okay, okay, so you have, you have, you have the floor at your own pearl. All right, thank you. Okay, let me so, caveat, so. caveat. Marvin Douglas's views do not reflect the views. <laughs> Just understand, I got my spatula <laughs> ready, sir. My spatula so is so let ready. Me, let me ask this: thing. You guys, you guys got this movie up there with um, uh, John Q. Do I have it up there with John Q? Wait, yeah, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about acting, just her acting. Like, oh, I'm not, Marvin, I don't Marvin, look at it. No one looks comedy. at that movie as an acting. And that's what I'm saying. So I wasn't going into Coming to America Part Two. Like, well, I'm looking for the Oscar win performance. I'm looking for the. Oh, the I, see where you're I see where he's going with this. I'm okay. gonna, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you finish. I can have that ball again, though, right? Because what, what I'm saying is that I wasn't yeah. going into it looking for like. You know, super acting. I was. Uh, it did what I thought it was going to do. It was right. entertaining. Okay. It was kind of goofy comedy, but I expect that yeah. from coming to America. It's what it was last right. time. Right, right, right. Okay. The, the expectations were pretty low. Okay, right. okay. Yeah. And, and you can't, I you feel where you can't. coming from, sir. I feel where you. you coming from. I do, I do. But I still want to laugh. Right. And it was not funny. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't okay. funny. And well, it's a it comedy, so I'm not looking for I'm not looking for a Denzel level of a performance either, but I am looking for an Eddie Murphy level of comedy. Right. And within that being with that being said, like, or at least it wasn't something even, close. At least something rivaling so the was old the first Eddie Murphy. One, Eddie Murphy's never going to be able to be his original self, right? He's never going to be that. You can't, right? No. But, at least get something comparable. I just want to laugh, right? Or, or, well, or maybe get is, or get or get some young talent, some young black dudes who are really funny, up and coming. The dude that, that played his son, he was cool, but he from around, he from around the way. Yeah, he, he from around the way. Yeah, yeah, DMV. Right, right. Well, I'm saying I mean, is, shit, right. well, all I'm saying is that was the first one only that funny because it was the first time saying that type of stuff? No, no, well, he no. Played, no, no we no, played no, the whole... The first one... Okay, so let's let's not start to... It's not, I'm not slandering the first one. Okay. I love the first not, one. Let me start. Okay. I love the first one. Okay, Marvin, you had your time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. You got it. You Proclaim right, you, my you, time. You talking right... <laughs> Boy, nigga, you are talking real reckless. And the thing is, I, I, I'm, I would let you go out on that ledge because I, I saw where you were going with it, and I was like, oh, he about to like the Luther girl. He about to, you know, bring it back around. You feel me? Right. And, but, but then, like the Luther girl, you almost brought it back, but then it never quite. Eh, you feel me? Like, no, that's the end, boy. 
Yeah, so, so I'm saying this, this this is the thing, man. Like you saying that was the first one that funny. Well, because it was it because of the time. Yes, no, no, no. We're saying because we never saw nothing like I, I never seen nobody play the whole table. Like he 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 was damn near the whole barbershop. Like I, I respect that, that. But that that's the same thing he did in, in, in Nutty Professor. And 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 Arsenio Hall played some of those roles too. So right, right, yeah, no. But so but, what but, I'm saying is so, but no, yes, it was actually funny. But it was funny because it was funny. It was funny because of the time it was in. It was funny because it was nuanced. It was funny because it was Eddie Murphy. It was funny because the shit was funny. So you can't start. That's and we do that a lot, yo. We do that a lot with our legends. We start to go back in time and be like, "Well, was that shit really that legendary?" We do that a lot. White yeah. people do not do that with their stars and their legends. And we gotta, we gotta I love it. We gotta tighten up with that, bro. I love yeah. it. I'm not saying, yo. I, I think you, I think you missed it a little. Like I never said it's not a good movie. Like that's one yeah, of my but, favorites. But, but, my but favorite comedy. But, but but listen, you're trying to do that that whole. Well, you know, let me play devil's advocate for a second. And if you play devil's advocate long enough, you just end up being the devil. All right. So you, see, you gotta be very careful. I don't believe that the devil needs an advocate. Then why are you doing it then? I'm not. Being, <laughs> I'm just. I thought I was stating some facts. When you start taking the Socratic method and being like, well, I'm not going to tell people what to think. I'm just going to start asking questions, leading questions <laughs> that, 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 that say something, but don't really say something. And it, I will lead the way. That always, that always leaves the door open for you to be like, I didn't say none of that. All I did was ask a question. You know, yeah, so you when you start asking. Out, uh, right. you, got, you give yourself a way out, man. Nah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, nigga. Nah. nah. Yo, the first, the first one is classic. Yo, yo, classic. Yo, you called me out. Yo, you got me. It, it, the first one is classic, classic, bro. Got skills. So many, so many quotables in that in that goddamn movie, bro. So, so many, many bro. quotables. So many quotables. Oh man. But for him to like, but I just wanted it to be funny. It was cool to revisit it. Because it's, it, it was all about right. nostalgia for me. Right. It was cool to visit right. it. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, maybe that movie wasn't necessary. Maybe if it being 30 years later from, from part two, it would kind of play with see, it too. For, for me, I would see people are, are all right, so now I, let, let me, I guess it's my turn now. So, uh -oh. so let me, let me give my, my take on it. It's real, it's real easy take. You know what I mean? I don't have any ill will towards the film, but I see a lot of people saying like, yo, that felt like damn near they they uh, it, it was offensive to them. Yeah, you know I mean, so like on some like they they saw the film, woke up the next day and chose violence and was just like, you know what? I hate this film. This is the worst <laughs> film I've ever seen. This shit was garbage. I don't know why they even did it. They should have never did a sequel. I don't feel that way because I didn't really expect that much from the sequel. You know, like I've seen Eddie Murphy's later stuff, like his recent stuff. And none of it has really been, you know, like great, you know, but it's just like, I enjoy just seeing Eddie now and I don't expect much. My expectations were very low. Yes, I fell asleep on the film because it wasn't funny. Um, but I definitely, I got a couple of laughs, just like Gary said, I got a few laughs, you feel me? And that's all I needed. All I needed was a few laughs. And, and it was nostalgic, just the nostalgic, uh, you know, the nostalgic nature of it was enough, right? I could sit down 
you know, and and watch a film and be like, yo. And then it's also fun because of the conversation that it started after. It's kind of like going to see a comedian. If the comedian is good, great. We laugh, we have a good time. If the comedian's bad, great. We cook this nigga, laugh, and have a good time. So with the film, it's kind of the same thing because it's like, yo, it was horrible. And the amount of conversation that it has generated because it was nostalgic, right? So it's like, now we're, now we're talking about the first film and like what was going on in our lives during that time. And like, yo, that's 20 years ago, bro. Like, it's been, you know, so 30, I'm looking bro. at it. Oh, yeah. Dang. 30. 30. What was going on in our life, nigga? I was like eight. Man, 30, yeah, I was nine. What's what, 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 going well, on in my life? Well, not, well, not, not what was going on at the time, but what was, going, a, in, but what was going on in your life, you know, the first, second, third, tenth time you watched it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, this yeah. movie has followed us through a lot of different stages in life, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, I can appreciate the fact that it's it's... You know, it's just nostalgic, bro. So like, right, I right, mean, right. Let's, let's cool just, just take it easy on, you know. It was cool to see a lot of the characters that were in the movie. Like some of the like, like some of the you know the standout characters that were in the movie that he decided to bring back, like Peaches and and her twin sister. That was cool. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like bark like a dog showed. He brought her back, and she was still barking like a dog. That was cool. Right. You feel right. me? Like yeah. You know. The performances, all the dancing and, 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 and the pageantry, it was beautiful. It was, it was cool. Right. Even but, had Nita Baker, Nita Baker showed up. Yeah, you salt and pepper. It was cool. Right. Yeah. Like they had anything to do with the movie before. Okay, okay. They had Morgan Freeman in the jump. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't be mad. I can't be mad. Right. But at the same time, I guess they have Rick Ross in the joint. Huh? Jose. They had Rick Jose. Ross in the joint. I mean, they better had him in the movie. Oh. Shit. He, they shot the whole damn film. Nigga, they shot the whole film in his damn house. It was it was like yeah. one, it was it was one <laughs> like one uh room for the whole movie. Yeah. But um, you know, but yeah, I you know that that's my take on it. I, I do think I agree that the movie was trash, but I wasn't expecting yeah. much from it. And you know, I mean, I, I didn't neither. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those, like, one of those old black movies, like, that back in the day, you know what I'm saying, who who made the potato salad movies, like, and that's kind of what it was, you did. Right. But, but then that's and, the other side, the, the larger conversation more on a, on a macro level of the climate that we're in, the movie could not be as funny as last time, because them niggas wouldn't have been able to get away with any of that stuff, man. So, like, yeah, I, I, saw, I saw an interview with Arsenio Hall, and he was talking about some of the, the scenes that were cut out. And all of them sound hilarious. And I would have liked <laughs> to see it. But they can't do them. Right? Because like, you can't how could they get off? How could they get off the royal penises clean in 2021? But but you know what they did get off? They got off what's her name? Um, what's the comedian, the, the one that she played the oh, mother? Leslie Jones, like she got she was oh, getting it. Yeah. Right. Because the thing is, men cannot be funny anymore without being offensive, right? But but women can can do that. But we all know that, you know, women will never, ever be as funny as us. Respectful. <laughs> Respectful. So, you know, I just think that you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, now it's, it's, it's some women that I've met 
that mm-hmm. are as funny as dudes, yo. But yeah, so like they couldn't do any of the things that would have really hit hard and been like great scenes. You know, it's just, yeah, it just, it ain't the climate for that. So, um, so yeah. All right, so next topic, uh, we will tackle um, a story that has, I mean, literally all of the trappings of a Negro wake-up. As, uh, as as Paul Mooney so eloquently, um, you know, uh, stated, you know, uh, or labeled it, you know. So I mean, I, I mean, you got you got the mulatto that married the white man. You even got a royal family involved. Uh, and then I mean, once we get to the point where we introduce Tyler Perry into the scenario, I mean, that's when it just becomes okay. Well, I couldn't have wrote this better. Like this is. This is the greatest shit that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and Oprah. What'd you say? And Oprah. And Oprah. Because yeah. now we got Oprah in here, right? So, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is just peak. Classic Oprah, too. Classic I'm just Oprah. waiting. I'm just waiting for these motherfuckers to make a miniseries and put it on BET. <laughs> oh, you know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. Call it, call it, um, call it, uh, my white zaddy and the royal family. <laughs> look, 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 look. Yo. Um, hosted by Oprah. <laughs> or, or, or like, or, or, or like, or call it Black Princess or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, what so, was so, but look, but look, let me Let me just say, we're talking about Meghan Markle. Everybody, you know, anybody who's been under the rock doesn't know, but talking oh, about yeah. Meghan Markle. And her marriage to uh, was it Prince? Which which one is it? Harry. Okay, Harry. Prince, Harry. Prince Harry. Okay. So yeah, all the trappings of a Negro wake up call. I'm so. I, and the thing is, you never enjoy seeing, you know, a black person catch a Negro wake up call, but you also do enjoy seeing a black person catch a Negro wake up call. You know, because it's it's you know it, it's just like it's just a, it's a sight to see. Um, it's a teachable moment, right? Mm. Um, and I think it's it's very important and necessary. So I thank the universe for this entire scenario. I just want to know what she thought was going to like what I she don't. was expecting. What was I, her I expectation? Don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Respect, respect. Yo, I, have no idea. I was tripping off the fact that I mean, what did you like? What did you expect when you was dealing with these people? Now, the only point that that got me was like they were like, well. How dark will the child be like? Yo, fam, she ain't but so dark. She ain't dark at all. She ain't, right. Like she, she looks like she's she, 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 she still gonna come right out with blue eyes. Like, right. Have you seen Drake's baby? That baby gonna be whiter than Drake's baby. Yo, Are you kidding me? I was like, wow, like that's how think about oh. that's how deep racism get when you like <laughs> my grandkid might be too dark for the family. Yo, Gary, like, yo, come on, Gary, yo, y'all. Gary, y'all. You are sick but <laughs> if you're not expecting that, saying, then man. you tripping. I'm just saying, right. that baby's going to have blue eyes, going to have blonde hair. It, right. like, I don't understand what they think. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only baby. Thing, the only disparaging thing that that baby might have is a wide nose. That's the only way you're going to know that. that. Right. Yeah, that's it. But at that time, like, it probably still won't even look black. It'll look half Puerto Rican. Like, it ain't going to look like Yeah, it's good. just, yeah, it's just going to look Dominican. And not even like the, the dark Dominican. It's just going to like the not at all. straight up, yeah, it's going to look, yeah. 
Yes. So I don't even know what the deal was. So, but we talking about a queen that is literally 186 years old. Have you seen her face? Her face? Her face looked like tire tracks. Like it literally looked like somebody ran her face over. It was all like, you're a human. No. And then and then after they ran it over, they put the bitch in reverse and was just like, you know what? The job is not finished. The job is not done. We gotta you know. are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I'm telling yeah. you, look, her face looked like a nutsack, yo. I'm trying <laughs> to tell you, like, after you get out the pool in this cold, like I'm trying to tell you, yo, like I'm trying to tell you, Shorty. Like she yo. is. Oh, special breed, yo. I'm yo, just they saying. The, they the original white supremacist. supremacist. Right. Yeah, oh, like. Exactly. So she, she, thought, she thought she was going to get into, um, she thought she was going to marry into the whitest white supremacist family that has ever, I mean, from the beginnings of time of white supremacy, right? Since ever has been ever. Right. Since ever. You ever. know what you're doing. Right. Like it's when like, we talk about when we when we talk about when when niggas say like in the black style when niggas is like you know I'm just a victim of conditioning I'm I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning even my conditioning has been conditioned when he yes. talks about that he's literally talking about that family they did the conditioning right yes and they she thought it all she thought that she was about to marry into this family and that these white supremacists were going to stop. White supremacy. Yes. Just one thing. Not, not, not because, not because things have changed, not yeah. because she's had prior conversations with them and they're like, you know what? We're ready to accept Negro blood, right? Not because of any of that, just because she got some white dick. Like, for no other reason. No Bro, other reason. Let's not forget that during that time when she got merged, a lot of NG on Twitter that was like, Oh, yeah. this is magical, and this is. I, I, I mean, what, where are the magic folks at? Did the magic wear off or something? Did did the? I don't. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what happened. To what the magic. happened? I haven't said it's not a whole lot of magic um, going on right now. I mean, I, I remember. I didn't really say too much when I saw a lot of you know a lot of uh, you know our black queens, um, yeah. you know, celebrating. And, and the thing is, is is listen, women love nice weddings, right? So like, I get yeah. it. It is what it is. Listen, that's fine. I don't want to, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't want to like walk up to a five-year-old and be like, you know, Santa Claus don't exist, nigga. He's a, a figment of your imagination. You know, like, I'm not going to do that. Nigga, you fall with Santa Claus, nigga. <laughs> like, I'm not going to make that chat, right? So like, I didn't say anything about the wedding. And I was just like, wow, man, I'm glad I'm not married to a woman that's this happy about this wedding. But, um, but yeah, so like, right. Dodge that but that's all she got out of the deal, though. She got but look, a, but look, a beautiful but look. wedding, yo. But look, exactly. That's all she got. But I remember, you know, seeing a lot of our Black queens celebrating it. And just like Marvin said, I think that you don't really see them. They're not talking too loudly now. And I do think when I, when I first saw the, the whole Oprah thing, I heard about the Oprah thing, I was like, you know what? This is a teachable moment, right? Like, this is a teachable moment. Meghan Markle is serving as you know, a lesson, right? Um, and so I hope the lesson is learned. I don't think it's that hard to figure out what the lesson is. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yo, I'm I got a question. Go for it. So, so when you go to somebody's wedding, 
you would say that that you believe in that marriage, you believe in those two people, you believe in that institution, right? Right. Most of the time, yeah. Right. So you you want to show up to somebody's wedding that you ain't really care about. I'm not going to. I'm not going to certain. I'm saying certain stuff. I'm just not going to attend because I don't really care about it. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So if you also do the interview, tearing the family apart, but you also participated in the wedding, is that not the most gangster shit ever? You talking about? Yeah. Yeah. She was there. I mean, hang out. And 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 Oprah. Oprah's here. Yo, listen, Oprah caught him. Oprah in the inner circle, though, bro. Like, listen, I'm saying, but did y'all see that? I mean, like, yo, yo, listen, listen. Not for nothing, Oprah caught a big bad. Yeah, yeah. You understand me? Yeah, Oprah in the, in the circle too, bro. So, like, how she gonna yeah, tear I mean, your apart and build you up at the same damn time in a matter of two years? Yo, listen, I, nice. you know, and, and really, you know, this is something that I wanted to say for the disrespectful, uh, you know, side for the Patreon. But honestly, man, you know, at some point we're gonna have to keep it a buck about Oprah, right? Um, so so just like just like you, you know, you tried to put it out there slandering, you know, one of our classic films, right? Marvin, uh, you know, like this is a please time. Believe that I, please God, believe that hurt. So <laughs> so so I'm gonna go ahead and actually slander someone who actually deserves the slander. Oprah. Even though she's one of our heroes, right? Right. I mean, I, she's never been one of my heroes, you know? I never. Mean, I, think, I think I think our mothers, our aunties, they love her. And, you know, some of the, the, the younger generation, like our generation of women, they, they also, you know, we have a tendency to celebrate and worship the Black aristocracy, right? So, like, these Black celebs that represent these aspirational tax brackets that we want to achieve or whatever. And just Oprah does carry herself in a certain way that's always poised and all this other stuff. So, I mean, I, I get that. But Oprah has been a scourge in the Black community, specifically for, for the Black male co community, right? Like she has spent, and the Black community at large, like she has spent an entire career coming out with these Black trauma porn films like Precious, and listen, we all love the color purple, but let's just keep it a buck. No, we, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yo, I was so mad, Danny Glover, yo. No, we didn't, yo. Yo, no, I was mad, not. Danny Glover, forever. Yo. I was like, yo, I was like, yo, he's such a bad man. Golly, that, that, right. that dude bad. And then, and then you, yeah. up, and you grew up realizing, like, wait, all these black shit. not really me as Danny Glover. I am Danny right. Glover. I'm trying yeah. to tell you. She didn't even give my man a name. They just called him Mister. Come on, man, Mister. When I tell you, I grew up not liking uh, Danny Glover at all. But yeah, so <clears throat> but yeah, Oprah. I think is um, you know, it's it's time that we just we you know address it. Um, but yeah, man. So she did this interview, and she's you know, it, I do I do enjoy. She act surprised. She acted. Like she was so surprised at all of this, you know. She's like, "Wait, what? So who said that? What you talking about? <laughs> Not me. Racism. Uh, racist. The royal family. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that bomb sack face lady? Hates <laughs> black people? Mm, do tell. <laughs> Like, do tell. Are she clutching her pearls? 
Right, it's like, oh, I go. <laughs> right. So, you know, I get it, the good, all the theatrics and, you know, all that stuff. But it's like, yo, she, she caught a bag. And this is right after, you know, let's just talk about it. This is right after, not long after she did the whole uh, uh, Michael Jackson slander post hummus, right? Mm. She, oh, man, she tried to kill Mike again. <laughs> Mike, oh my God, they, yo. They didn't already kill Mike. And now she's trying to go back. She's trying to double back, kill him again. Yo, I was like, damn, Oprah, you digging hard, ain't you, babe? And then and then and then she and then she ended up having to uh take it off of HBO care like the little doc or whatever where she's talking to like his accusers or whatever and it turned out to be a bunch of holes in the story and they turned out to be a, a lot of nefarious things going on and she had to pull the doc off of HBO right and and MJ was her like guy like they were friends right yeah, so man. you know but the thing is and this is the thing with Oprah is that she pulled the doc but if anybody thinks that when you're operating at the level of Oprah and you have a whole production and your name is on it and you are the face of it, if anybody thinks for one second that every piece of information is not vetted to the point where, hey, we don't want to put anything out there that we don't have substantiated, blah, blah, that was not something where, she, where it came out later and she was like, oh, snap, it turns out these niggas might be lying. Let me uh, take this doc down. No. She knew they were lying. She knew that there was a good possibility that they were lying. She didn't care. She put the doc out anyway. And then black folk were like, oh, what the fuck is she doing, y'all? Here? Oh, yes. come here for a second. Come here for a yo, second. Slow down, yo. Like, fuck the great shit. Hold up, hold up. What type of time is you on right now? Hey, yo, my man been there for like, like, my man been there for almost 10 years, bro. Like, real talk, yo. Real I mean, she she's done a bunch of stuff, and then and then she came out with the Me Too movement. I forgot what award show it was, but she did some speech talking about Me Too and all this and all that. And then they started celebrating her as one of the leaders of that Me Too movement. Meanwhile, Man. meanwhile, her close friend and confidant, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, oh, she was very aware. Oh. I mean, it, it wasn't it, 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 in Hollywood. It wasn't like some like low key thing. Dame Dash talks about like how he slapped a nigga one time because he was like, I saw him doing some funny style stuff, you know, with women. I slapped the shit out of him. Like literally he, slapped the shit out of him. Oh, no, he was a producer on uh right on, on, on Payton Full. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like you got these situations where, I mean, at this point, it's it's we know what it is, but I I just I just hope that I hope that we take her flowers away before before she uh how she gonna try to kill my man, my man Mike Jackson? All he wanted to do was be Peter Pan, yo. That's all he wanted to do, yo. That's all my man wanted to do, yo. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. All he wanted. Named his he house just, Never Neverland, y'all. He was right. just trying to be a good dude. That's right. all he was trying to do. He was trying to dance and sing for us and right. be Peter Pan and float moonwalk for right. us and shit. And she wouldn't dig him up out the grave. And be all <laughs> like, yeah, you still touch Macaulay Culkin. Right. Like, no, he didn't. Let no. Him, well, one, he's a that legend that we remember for 10 him. years, man. Say it again. Yeah. Hey, you ain't going to get investigated for 10 years and they don't find nothing. Come on, man. Yeah, man. And, and, and and he was he was actually under FBI or CIA in, uh, surveillance. Yo, oh, yeah. you investigate yeah, me for 10 years, you might find something. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Was looking for I mean, he was trying to make big moves, though. That's that's basically what it was, you know. And, and he tried the, to buy towards, towards towards the end of his life, you know, like he was he was going on like basically whist, a whistleblowing tour um, yeah. against the music industry and specifically yeah, against, yeah, against yeah. Universal Music, which is the largest, you know, uh, label, right? And he was trying to buy it. Right, and he, well, he did. He he bought he bought the Beatles uh, catalog, the Master. Yeah, he bought Beatles the catalog. Album. That's what got him over a billion. He bought the right. Beatles. And he owned his own. He exactly. owned several people's catalog. He owned a lot and of so people's he, catalog. He, he's, he's, he was on record saying, "Yeah, so I own the Beatles catalog, and then I own my catalog, and and after I do, uh, like I think like one or two more albums, then I'll completely be out of my deal." You know how he talked. He's like, I'll be completely out of my deal. Um, and those albums don't even need to be new music because I've read the language and the contract. I could just release the best of albums and that'll count. So essentially I will own more about half or more than half of this loan. Oh, and then he was going and around. And that's why they got him out of here. Right. He and he, and he, was, he was going around doing like a whistleblower tour to black churches and all this other stuff being accompanied by the Fruit of Islam, by the way. Yep. And they were escorting him to these different places. And he was just airing them niggas out, man. Like he was calling people out like specific names, you know? No, and, it, you... And, it, and there was no coverage in our media, but overseas, they were covering. You know? Yeah. Yo, did you notice that as soon as he died though, like as soon as Michael Jackson died, you notice that all these Beatles songs ended up in commercials. They made a rock band video game for the Beatles right after yeah, he I died. Yeah, I didn't repeat that. Right after that, because yeah. he wouldn't release any of their music to be to be played on any kind of uh, commercials. Right, like right, Yo, right. Don't be he, surprised. He wasn't, he wasn't licensing, licensing out there. None of that. He wouldn't. Don't be no surprised. Movies, none of that, yo. Yeah. If you hear Thriller in a, uh, Old Navy, right, a commercial coming I mean, out. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the same, it's, the, it's the same situation with, with Prince. I mean, I don't want to spend too, too much time on this because I want to get to the BLM thing, but uh, same situation with Prince. Like, Prince was in a, a, a damn near a decade-long fight, court fight, uh, to get, you know, own ownership over his masters and his name and everything, and he won. And then yeah. uh, within the next the following three years, five years tops is when he died. And he didn't have yeah. any kids to pass his stuff down to. So when, when these artists died, one, when these artists die, um, if they don't have an heir that the stuff goes to, then it goes back to the label. And then two, labels a lot of times have insurance policies on their artists. So if you can have key man insurance, which is if you if this person is an asset to your business, then if they die, you lick the, their uh, that policy is liquidated, and now you have a bunch of cash. So that's one way that they win. You know, and another way that they win is that we all know that after somebody dies, an artist dies, their music becomes much more sought after. So people will start going back and listening to their old stuff. And so these labels just make so much money when big artists die, mm -hmm. especially if you're an artist that, you know, was fighting the label to get ownership over your shit. Yeah. Right. So, um, but all right. But yeah, so one, I just want to say one quick thing since you brought up print. Did you know just, this is a little quick back, little quick story. Yeah. Yo, I remember, I remember I was watching something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but Nas was sitting there talking about how he wanted to record a song Salute with Prince. Salute to Nas for the Grammy on that album. He deserved it. Salute. 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 
Yeah. But Nas said he was going to try to record a song with Prince. Prince was all like, all right, cool. Uh-huh. He asked him one question. He said, do you own your masters? He says, nah. Nas said, nah. He was all like, well, I can't fuck with you then. <laughs> <laughs> Gangster. Oh, like, straight up. That's, That's how serious it was about that. Yeah, Prince, because Prince knew that if, if you don't own your masters, then that means that whatever we do together, you the buck doesn't stop with you. So if we do something together and I want to release it and you want to release it, but the label don't, then we yeah. just wasted our fucking time. Pretty right? much. So right. um, so yeah, but no, that, that was a that was a good story. Oh, and there's another story about Prince and Mike. And oh, Prince, yeah. Prince, Prince, you know, Prince and Mike were like at odds with one another because Prince mm-hmm. was Prince was like, nigga, I'm a consummate artist. You just sing and dance, right? So like, so Prince was like, nigga, I play, I play every instrument. How many instruments you play? Um, so, but we love Mike playing keyboard. Don't do Mike like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that's <laughs> why they're trying to be. But look, yeah, but there's a there's a story about Cassio. yeah, but there's a story about uh, you know, Mike wanted uh, Prince to be on the bad song. Remember that? Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Prince, Prince, Prince said in the interview, he was, he was like, like, so why didn't you? We heard that you, uh, Mike, wanted you to be on Bad. It was one of his biggest songs, and you know, why didn't you guys? You didn't want to do it. And he, and he said, well, he said, well, you know, Prince. I mean, uh, Mike came to me, and um, you know, he asked if I wanted to do this song, and then you know, in the video and everything, and in the video, it was like two gangs, and they were coming together, and then. Um, you know, the first line in the song is, you know, your butt is mine. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, he said, you know. Oh, <laughs> big cause. He said, he said, I did not feel comfortable. I'm never going to do a song with another grown man. And you start out with butt is mine. So I didn't do the song. <laughs> Yo, like, no, no. I saw Prince, I saw the interview. Prince said, well. Who sing that to who? Because you damn sure ain't singing to me, and I damn sure not singing that to you. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> right. So, how are we gonna get these lyrics out? Right. Hey, yo, that's the lyrics. funniest shit I ever heard <laughs> from a nigga that wearing whole leotards with the ass out. With the ass out. Because right. because Prince Prince was like Prince was like nigga, I might walk around with my ass out, but I'd be damned if you talk about doing anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I draw the line. That's why I draw the line. Yeah, because it ain't yours, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just can't be like that, Mike. Right. It can't be Mike, like that. You know? This butt is mine, yeah, Mike. Mike. It's not yours. That is hilarious. <laughs> God, that is so funny. Hopefully the recording doesn't stop while we're doing it. It's because it doesn't tell me, like, the time I have left. All right. It's just, um, it already said that it was unlimited, though. Oh, it did? Yeah. But I feel like once he hopped in, but anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, so okay. So uh Mike Brown's father, it's Mike Brown's father, right? Mm-hmm. Mike Brown's father is requesting. Yeah. Um, he's requesting, I don't know his first name, but that's Mike Brown Senior. Oh, it's Mike Brown Senior. Okay, got yeah. it. So uh yeah, so he's requesting money from BLM. And he's saying that, you know, BLM has made a lot of money off the death of his son as well as other, you know, black people's sons. And um, he's demanding that they, uh, you know, relinquish some capital. Uh, So backstory, he's not the only one that has said this to BLM. So 
there are BLM chapters. One of those chapters is, is DC chapter that have uh, requested transparency around BLM's finances, basically like their, their donor money that has been flowing in for the past, I want to say better part of six years. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, he's not the only one saying this. This was, a, this, it was a whole thing. They ended up having to come out, BLM ended up having to come out with a uh, kind of like a, uh, a piece talking about how much money they brought in because up prior to this point, no one knew. And you had all these companies, especially during the height of, you know, George Floyd, when it was getting a lot of media attention and what and so on and so forth. There was a lot of companies coming out saying, oh, we're gonna donate 10 million. We're gonna donate 50 million, you know, like all these crazy numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but then after all of that, there was never anything that, uh, you know, there was never any transparency and oversight of where the money was going or how it was being used. Um, and so fast forward to now, you have a situation where they're being pressed for transparency. And so they recently came out and they said, okay, we took in 90 million in 2020, right? Um, which is probably a conservative number because they have been taking their money for a long time. So 2020 is just the height of, you know, like police brutality because, uh, or the, the height of the media attention on police brutality, right, after George Floyd. Um, but there's been a long lead up to that 2020 year with a bunch of other people going all the way back to Trayvon Martin, um, you know, that were high profile police murder or high profile murders of black people because uh, Zimmerman wasn't even a, a cop. But um, so, yeah, so he's saying you owe us money and cut the check. And apparently he has an organization uh, that he does, you know, community work in Ferguson. Um, and there's also been a pushback, and I, I, this is a long ass intro, but this is the last thing I'm gonna say. There's also been a, a pushback going all the way back to Fer when Ferguson first started, where BLM and their uh, kind of like TV guys or whatever, TV activists were coming down to Ferguson, uh, i.e. Uh, D-Ray. They were coming down to Ferguson during the time when Ferguson protesters and activists grassroots on the ground were, you know, protesting and fighting for, for whatever. Um, and so there was a clash between the two uh, camps. And um, at one point, I think one of the guys, and I, I have to look up his name, but one of the guys that was kind of leading the protest in Ferguson uh, actually physically slapped D-Ray because he said that he said that you know you guys keep coming down here trying to get camera time and we're, we're hip to what you're doing um and so if, if you're not going to work with us but you just want to pop up when the cameras show up then we're not really cool with that i'm gonna slap the shit out of you and he did that so so and then he he later ended up being uh you know allegedly assassinated um, he was found in his car. It was his car was set on fire, and there was a whole string of other uh, kind of like local grassroots activists. Um, it was a string of you know suspected assassinations of those people, um, and you can you know look it up or you can do your googles whatever. Um, so BLM kind of has a long history of being allied with uh, you know certain people that aren't really connected to the grassroots and the basically black people. 
And so now it's come to the point where people are like, yo, well, I mean, damn, well, where is, at least tell us where the money's going. And, um, and so he came out and, and said, you know, you owe me some money. Um, and, and he's only received $500 up to this point. So hey, what? He's only received $500 from BLM. $500? Yeah, $500. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to read a couple of things from an article that talks about uh, BLM and, and, and their fundraising and, and you know how much money for them. So this, this excerpt is talking about how not only has BLM um, kind of had a boon in donor funds coming through as a result of the media attention on police brutality, but any groups associated with BLM um, are also just catching bags left and right. Uh, so you have, uh, says the example of Nico Giorades, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, his organization is Unicorn Riot, a nonprofit left-leaning media firm that posted early footage of protests in Minneapolis. Um, and it says, thanks to online donations within a couple of months of him mentioning BLM or, or videotaping these, these protests, uh, within a couple of months, his, he almost broke outfit his almost broke outfit, so they were broke, went from 8,000 in the bank to nearly 650,000. Mm. Um, and then he, he says, he says that's enough to keep operating for another five years, right? So we go from that, here's another excerpt. Um, so you have some BLM members that are uh, pretty much upset about um, BLM, the things are kind of decentralized at BLM. So you have mm -hmm. chapters, local chapters. They're actually fighting against, you know, the, those at the top mm -hmm. saying that you all are, are getting away from the, the stuff that we wanted to be on, right? And you're, you're getting into other stuff. So not only are you getting into other stuff, but you're also not financially supporting any of the things that we're doing at these local chapters. Um, so now here's here's the big thing, and this is talks about like the amount of money. Um, and this came out prior to the recent article that said they brought in 90 million in 2020, right? So it says uh, vastly larger promises and sums followed as employee and corporate donors, as well as rich individuals joined the gift giving. Donations uh, to BLM related causes since May. I think this is 20. 20 when this came out since may were 10.6 billion exact sums received will be known when the central body overseeing blm spending publishes its finances and this is in parentheses confusingly it relies on another entity uh a quote-unquote fiscal sponsor um that's and the name of that fiscal sponsor is the tides foundation to oversee its books. So it's actually outsourcing the overseeing of its books to this other organization. It's a, their fiscal sponsor called Ties Foundation. A leading figure talks of incredible financial growth and capacity um, and a huge surge in the number of folks who want to throw down with us, meaning long-term partners. All right, so that's pretty much the intro. Um, and so he wants money they're finally having some transparency. And by transparency, I don't mean that somebody sorted books. 
I mean that they got with somebody, I think uh, with the New York Times and that person wrote an article and said they brought in $90 million in 2020. So no one's ever, they, there's no audit. They, no one has seen their books. No one even knows if the 90 million is, is all of it, which it, it isn't because that's only 2020. Um, so yeah, what, what are y'all feelings on that? Well, I mean, that's a function of it not being like a grassroots movement. You feel me? Like if it was grass, right. if it was truly right. grassroots, it right. would go to the grassroots and, and they were truly organized. It wasn't just, you know how people always like to accuse ADO, ADOS of being like a hashtag movement? Right. But I would imagine if you gave Yvette and Tone that type of money, that it would get to the grassroots first. Right. They would, they would be lobbying Congress. They would be doing things to make sure that our issues were not only just yep. heard, they would be making sure that our issues are being, um, you know, lobbied for in the halls of Congress, right? Right, and, 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 and at the local level too. At the local level, and, and it would concentrate the efforts. Like to me, BLM is like it means everything. It, it, it's, right. it's it's like everything but but white men, I guess. Yeah. Look, on, if you go to their website, it, it it doesn't even when they talk about like their top line issues or their agenda. The majority of it has, it doesn't really speak to black issues. Um, it talks about disrupting the nuclear family, which I, I'm like, well, haven't, haven't white, hasn't white America disrupted the black nuclear family enough? Y'all want to do it more? <laughs> so hold on, hold on. what's the, what's the details behind disrupting the nuclear family? Like most of us don't have, like I didn't grow up with a mother, like traditional and, mom and, and, in the household. Yeah, right. Right, and, a lot, and I'm like coming up, like I was probably one of the only friends of mine, with the exception of maybe uh, about two or three, that had two parent households, right? Um, yeah. So you know, like I don't understand, like what what else? How else would you like to disrupt the black nuclear family, right? I mean. <laughs> My thought process is if you are a black organization and you start the sentence off with disrupting disrupting the, the family, well, we, you already telling me enough. You already telling me what I need to know. Like you aren't right. because our biggest issues is due to the fact the family has been disrupted. Right. But look, like, so let me speak to what Gary said earlier, because he, he asked a question about, you know, well, weren't they started by a white guy? So they weren't necessarily, they weren't formally started by a white man, but there are, there, there, there is, people suspect, and there are certain indicators that will point to a guy named George Soros uh, being the, the primary uh, financier, I don't even know if that'd be the right word, but the primary uh, guy fueling the movement. But the movement was that BLM was actually formally founded by three black women, Two of them, I believe, are Nigerian. And I don't think they have any like Black American or like descendants of slaves in there. Um, and 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 they, uh, I think two of them, if not all of them are LGBTQ members of that community. And they have, mm. they, they didn't come from uh, the, you know, grassroots Black community organizing. They came from more of the, LGBTQ, you know, um, progressive 
white liberal organization organizing. So that's that's their background. So what we see them doing now, what we see them doing now in BLM, is not a deviation from what they were already doing. So they're just continuing down the same path. Nothing wrong with that, right? If that's right. what you want to focus on, that's great, you know. Uh, but the, the my issue is that it seems that they have have cloaked their movement in black people and in black male bodies being murdered in the middle of the street in cold blood. And then as soon as it comes to, well, okay, what's your agenda? It's to let's get all of these niggas out of here. Uh, let's get all these black men out of here. And it's like, well, we're kind of like the reason that you have any money. You kind of like made your whole movement a result yeah. of us being murdered as well as the black women who were being murdered, but the vast majority of those high profile police murders were black men. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it just is what it is. And I'm not saying that black women are not murdered by the cops, but the high profile, you know, instances, majority of them were, you know, black men. So, but yeah, so just to answer your question, Gary, so yeah, so what I mean, what okay, do you, because okay. we talked about this earlier, so, you know, would you... Uh, no, I was just curious because like, like Chris Rock said, like only, only black I mean, only white men, only only the white man can profit off pain. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, so like I'm figuring like, okay, maybe they got a maybe they got one of those a white dude to to do the books. Maybe <laughs> he's right. in, he's in charge of funding or something like that. Right. Right. But outside of that, like that's how I would see like, okay, they're not moving that money around. Yep. You know, because we don't know, we don't know like where they, where they, where the money is going. Like, and no, yep. nobody in uh in the upper echelon of black people know where the money is going. They just know right. that they got it. You know what I mean? They just know they got it. And, and they they got on one hand, charity is not a substitute for, for, uh, for, investment. for huh? It's not a substitute for investment, right? For real right. investment. It's, it's, not, it's not a substitute for investment and mm -hmm. it's not a substitute for uh, real policy changes. Right. Like, yeah. Like, you can't right now. The new fight. If you're not thinking economics today at this late date, right? You lost. If you ask yeah. me, that's one. Two. We don't have a. It's already too late plan. Like, we need to be a little more like, yo. We need to get this right because it's it's like this or death. Like that's how it should be. And it's like it's, it's I mean, just not, yeah, at, this, at this point. At this point, it's do or die. I, I've I've been saying for years, man. Like. All this philanthropic stuff is great. You know, the NGOs, the philanthropy, the charities, and all that stuff is great. But a dollar of real investment is the equivalent of like $300 of philanthropy, right? Yeah. Because, because a dollar of real investment is strategically placed, right? If you're investing, then you are investing for the long term. It's kind of like the, yep. the, the, the parable of teaching uh, a man how to fish, he'll feed his, uh, himself and his family for life. If you give him some fish, he'll just eat for the dick, right? So like, but, um, but when it comes to like real investment, strategic investment and, and access to resources, that's when these organizations uh, kind of fall short. And, and, and a lot of that strategic investment doesn't necessarily mean that they have to think of the strategies around investing. They just need to involve black people who are on the ground doing the work. The money never gets to grassroots. Ever. Never. Ever. Like, how about, we try, how about we try something different? Let's give the money to people who really going, 
who really understand policy, understand that we, we need to go into the halls of Congress and, and stop all this do for selfism. Because yeah. how are you going to be in a do for self age when, when uh, like Accenture has lobbyists? Right. For a reason. Verizon yeah. has lobbyists. Right. McCormick has lobbyists. You know, Chick fil A has lobbyists. Come look, on. Shout, shout, out to, shout out to McCormick in Baltimore, man, employing a lot of people for, for decades. You feel me? Gang, gang. But, gang, um, gang. But yeah, so like, but, 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 but this is the thing. We are supposed to have a lobbying force in Congress. I mean, it, 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 it essentially, ideally, in theory, Oh, you mean those people? Be, yeah, yeah. Ain't yeah, who I think you're talking about. Yeah, them people. Them people. Congressional Black Caucus is supposed to be the lobbying force in Congress. But the problem comes in where Joke. they are not, they are not, they can't lobby for communities where they get, okay, it's tougher than to lobby for the black community when they get their checks from the white community, right? So you are essentially on the payroll of the DNC, right? For the most part, you're on the payroll of the DNC Democratic National Committee. Um, you're on the payroll uh, of, you know, like different corporate lobbying, whatever, because all that money flows through Congress. Mm -hmm. So it's tough to expect them to just, out of the goodness of their heart, lobby on our behalf. But but the but the beautiful thing about their position. And I say beautiful just because it's beautiful, it's good for them because they, they ain't got to do nothing. Um, they have a uh, a complacent black electorate, and not complacent in the sense of we're good, we don't want anything, but complacent in the sense of we're more we're more impressed with them being there than we are actually asking them to do their damn jobs. Right? I mean, it, half of it is it's like. It's a bit of apathy, right? Because it's like, well, yeah. you're not gonna do nothing. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, niggas ain't got time to be like researching what the newest policy proposal is. And the niggas out here trying to make make ends meet. Um, and then and when you finally do get to the point where you made it and you get a decent salary, by that point, you're like, all right, I just need to focus on making sure my family's good, making sure I got like stuff set up for my kids. We don't have that kind of time. And, and we definitely don't have the liquidity or the disposable income to be able to start saying, hey, we should fund a super PAC. <laughs> you feel me? We, yeah. we, I got a couple of politicians that I would like to put on their feet, right? right. We, we don't typically have that kind of bread and we're not good at mobilizing. Oh, well, I won't say that. I just, we haven't really gotten to the point where we uh, mobilize our, our capital together in the last, I want to say, since civil rights, we haven't really mobilized our capital to make sure that these people right. have their damn jobs. So, so yeah, so uh, so the BLM situation, that's no different. I mean, these these are people that have partnered up with allies that don't re really have any ties to our community and they're not really being held responsible. There's no oversight. Um, so, so my man, cut the check is what you're saying, basically. Right. So yeah, exactly. I'm 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 all on board with Mike Brown Sr. and I think he's totally justified in um, you know, dem publicly demanding money because they they sent the they sent the they tried to get BLM the parent, you know, BLM to break bread 
or at mm -hmm. least have some oversight and transparency around their financials. And they didn't do anything. BLM didn't do anything. So now they're coming out and write, writing open letters and coming out with articles saying, you know, where, where the money at, bro? Mm -hmm. Like, what's really good? You know what I mean? Show me the bread, cuz. Right. <laughs> Show me the money. They, they, <laughs> on their, they on their Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Word, Joe. So, but yeah. I, th I think this was good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, because we we we. I mean, the rest of the topic we can talk about that another time. And yeah, we even yeah. got into and we even got into Kevin Samuel stuff. So. Yeah. 